You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. teaching that you got in the book of Colossians. I just want to veer off in, in my own direction there. So I kind of listened in to Pastor Jackson. Whew. I was like, oh man, I, I, I think I need to start coming to Wednesday nights now. Come on. This is some good stuff. But, but, but what about Mama A? Y'all. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, so yeah, Mama A, about a spot in discipleship. Come on, let's do something. Let's get together and get deeper into teaching this word. Amen. Amen. All right, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for the night that you have blessed us with. We come together not seeking the wisdom of man, not seeking the agenda of man, but we seek you. Father, we come here with our hearts open to receive a word that comes from your table, that it would affect our minds to understanding our hearts to conviction and our mouths to confession, that we would move in accordance to the way that you have called us to be. We pray, Lord, that we discover who we are as we search and seek you and know who you are. And in so doing, we put our place, we put ourselves in the place where we can minister effectively to this world. We see what is happening in this world. We see all the things that we have to face, be it the pandemic, be it the wars that we're hearing about. But over and above that, Lord, I pray that we find our place and position so that we know how we are to stand how we are to behave and what we are to do for it is such a time as this that you find each and every single one of us not by accident but by design and so we're here because you're about to fulfill a mandate through us and so I pray that even as your word is preached this very evening that that which comes from your table father will stick and it will stay and it will grow and bear much fruit whatever comes from man may fall to the ground and may yield nothing and so we are expected tonight and hope and pray and believe, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so you've already been given a very expert foundation by Pastor Jackson and also by Mama A. You've been given a very solid foundation from which you build from. And I want to commend you for actually reading the whole book of Colossians. If there are two books that can be challenging to a theologian, Colossians is one of them followed closely by Hebrews. But you guys have jumped in. And so I wanted to just add an additional brick to the foundation that you have already been given. I want you to understand this one thing. The word that you have is not a complete word. And so for you to put the book down and never pick it up again is doing yourself an injustice. So at some point you want to pick it up again and you want to go through it so that you might learn from it and see the revelation that God has for your mind so when Paul writes this letter in response to the people of Colossians he offers us a chance to see a declaration of who Jesus Christ is and so in understanding this declaration what he's really trying us to for us to see what I believe he's really wanting us to have is the discipline of staying rooted So that's the word that I have for you today is the discipline of staying rooted. So you've got to understand this, that there are people, places, things, happenstance around you that are always going to try and uproot you from the position that you were in. Even in the times we live in, we're seeing lots of people that are turning away from the faith, calling this thing called deconstruction. And then they go through all sorts of happenstance and situations and try to refigure themselves because they did not have 
the discipline of staying rooted. So understand that that discipline is required of you, not God. So God is not the one that is needing the discipline. You are the one that's needing the discipline for you to stay rooted. So whoever remains faithful till the end is the one that will make it into the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. So it's not going to be because I was excited about Colossians. I was excited about a church at one time. It's that I stayed the course and I stayed till the end and so this is what Paul I think is trying to get us to understand that we we have something that we that we that 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 is an authority and a power that we have access to so in speaking about the discipline of staying rooted I wanted us to talk about the basis of staying rooted why should you stay rooted because it's one thing for me to come to you and say hey stay rooted but you've got to understand why you need to stay rooted. What is the basis for you to stay rooted? So when Paul introduces this letter, he always introduces this one word when he's addressing the people that he's writing to. He calls them saints. To the saints in Colossians. Saints. So today we walk on this earth and we have decided to take on this mantle and call ourselves Christians. But the origin of the word Christian is really a term that was used to mock people who believed in Jesus. Initially, the people were known as the people of the way because Jesus said, I am the, the, and the, oh, y'all are in church. Come on now. Okay. So they were known as the people of the way. And as a derogatory term in Antioch where they first called Christians. Now you will read about this if you read in the book of Acts. I'm not taking this from a historical context. I'm taking it from the Bible itself. So it's been almost over 200 years ago when the term Christian became something that we would take. Now, in, in, in a sense of mocking, what they were actually saying is people who are Christ-like, which is why we ended up taking up that term. But the term saint is more aptly put. See, I grew up in the Catholic Church, and so there's so many saints in the Catholic Church. And so I thought saint was somebody who would achieve this grandiose achievement in God, and so would be the one only to get that title. But you are a saint, I am a saint. And if we are saints, that means we are disciples. And if we are disciples, it means we believe. And if we believe, then we are made holy. And how we are made holy is in accepting the message of Christ in his fullness and understanding that apart from him, we are nothing. But only in him do we find identity, strength, meaning, and life. That's what a saint is. Somebody who finds identity and meaning only in Jesus. That without Jesus coming and connecting with you, there is a nothingness about you. You don't exist in the fullness of who God created you to be. So you've got to walk with that understanding that I am a saint set apart to do great things for God. If I don't walk around this world with that mindset here, then it is easy for me to be swayed to and fro by different winds of doctrine, different teachings, different things that are happening around my life, pulling and tugging at me to walk away from my true identity. 
And so you've got to understand who you are. And when you understand who you are and you accept that mantle, that the holiness that you possess is not of your own works, but of the works of Jesus Christ who died on the cross and made you holy. And he is no failure. What he did was successful. What he did accomplished that which he set out to do. So therefore you are holy not because of you, but because of the Jesus that is in you. And for you to be rooted in this saintliness, you've got to have faith. You've got to have faith. And that faith is the faith that works for the saints. It's not a faith ju- that just exists. You do realize that everybody has to have faith in order to function in this world, right? Okay. How many of y'all have sat on a chair and it broke on you? Yeah? Okay. Quite a few. If you haven't, I hope you have that experience. It's just a, an amazing experience and you will talk about it for the rest of your life. So I've had. Now, when you fell on this chair... All of a sudden, did you have a mistrust of chairs? Okay, I want to know how many of you came in here before you sat down, you looked at the chair to make sure it would hold you up before you sat on it. Right? You just came and you just plucked yourself right into that chair because you believed, hey, it is going to hold me up, but you have no clue. You might have an experience just like you had when you had that broken chair experience before. Faith exists in the, in the, in the sense that we, we are going to do things without the full knowledge and the full understanding of it. So that means in order for you to live, you've got to live by faith. How many of y'all have your parents at home? Are they safe? Or anybody that you left at home, are they safe? It's faith. You believe in that they're safe, that everything's going to be okay. It's faith. So it takes faith. For you to actually just work and exist in this world. But the faith that works for the saint. The faith that works for the saint. Is the faith then that we profess is not grounded in hollow philosophies. And this is what Paul writes. It's not grounded in hollow philosophies or fanciful anecdotes. But rather deepened in knowledge with wisdom and spiritual understanding. Deepened in knowledge in wisdom, and in spiritual understanding. You see, your faith is not just a fanciful thing that you close your eyes and hope for the best in Jesus. Your faith is grounded in something that is wholesome and true and full of substance. Your faith, people always say, I want my faith to grow. I want to grow in faith. I want to be stronger in faith. If you want to be stronger in faith, you've got to work on your understanding. And your understanding is going to come from information that you are going to hear. Faith is built on a word. Faith is built on a word. And whatever word you have is where you begin to establish faith. And if that word is wrong, so too is your faith. And if that word is without understanding, so goes your faith. The number one thing that the devil is after is what? Your faith. He ain't after your car. He ain't after your house. He don't need your house or your clothes. You know, back in the day when we were growing up, Timberlake was the shoe. All right? So you would have your timber. If you had Timberlakes, man, you were there. You were right. Yeah. Society is going to look up to you and say, there goes the man. Because you're wearing your Timberlakes. Satan ain't after your Timberlakes. He don't care. But what he's after is your faith. Because if he gets to your faith, 
He has your understanding. And if he has your understanding, he has the knowledge and the information that you're going to build your faith upon. He has your brotherly kindness. He has your love. Everything because of the fact that he has gotten to your faith. The kind of faith that we're talking about becomes evident in the way that we walk, in the way that we live on this earth. And this is what Paul is writing in the book. And I'm going to get to my message. I'm actually not there yet. I'm going to get there. And so this faith we're talking about, the reason why it's important, guys, is we're talking about faith in Jesus, not faith in faith. Faith in Jesus, because then that faith is then grounded in who he is. So Paul now begins to write and he begins to tell you who this Jesus is. He says that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. By him, all things visible or invisible exist. He is before all things and in him, all things consist. So in Jesus, you get the whole shebang. He is your everything. You lack nothing in him. And so when we're talking about to have faith, this is, the, this is what you got to get. To have faith in Jesus means we know him and trust him to be the way, the truth, and the life to everything that concerns us. But faith is not the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is. And so when you're then in that position of faith, and this is why many fall away. I'm believing for a healing. I'm believing for a breakthrough. I'm believing for things to change in my life because I walk around so depressed, unsure of who I am. It seems like everybody is better than me. Everything works out better for somebody else. I'm still coming to church and I'm believing that something's going to happen, but I still find no breakthrough. And so when you have faith in faith, you would assume that this whole thing does not work because I'm not seeing the result that I'm supposed to see but when you have faith in Jesus you're saying no matter what I face no matter how difficult it gets and Joel puts it this way he says though he slay me yet still will I hope in him that's faith in Jesus that's saying I have no other place to go I'm nowhere else you, O oh Lord, are the only answer to everything that is happening in my life. There is nobody else coming. So God, if you don't, then this is it. This is the end. So Jesus, if you don't step into my circumstances, this is it. This is the end. Because I've got no other way. That's faith in Jesus. And not faith in faith. So when you are in this position, when you have this stance... And you have this kind of faith. This then is how you stay rooted. And the reason you need to stay rooted is because your faith is constantly under attack. Internally and externally. Internally because you've got this thing called the sin nature. That's always gnawing at you. Paul writes and says, every time I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Every time I tell myself I'm done with the carbs, somebody brings donuts to the office. Yeah. Does that happen to you? Every time you want to do something right, everything wrong presents its opportunity right before you. 
And inside of you, then you've got this battle going on. I know I made a commitment that I was not going to do something, but he had the donuts then. What you want me to do? I mean, come on now, this donuts, you know? And then all of a sudden, you just go down that road and you say, just this one time. But with the donut, it ain't going to be just the one donut. Especially if they just fool you and they call them donut holes. Now, all of a sudden, you're having 12, which is equivalent to two whole donuts. And you're thinking that you're doing all right. Because evil is right there. It's the same principle in life. Whenever you make the commitment that I'm going to stay pure, I'm going to walk the purity of the Lord. God help the things that you begin to see when you make that commitment. Or the things that you begin to hear when you make that commitment. And so there's a struggle and a battle that begins to happen. And all that is trying to remove you from your faith. But you have got to remain grounded. And so Paul now, I'm picking it up from chapter 3 of Colossians. Paul now is beginning to tell you how to stay grounded. And therefore, how to stay rooted. And there are four things that we want to talk about that you need to be actively involved in in order for you to stay rooted. Number one, you need to seek. You need to seek. Colossians 3 verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Seek. To seek is to pursue, meaning that you're going to have to run after. You're going to have to run after. But when you're running after, you got to know what you're running after. Because if you just run and you have no idea what you are running after, you won't know when you reach it. So he says, you got to seek. You've got to seek. You've got to seek the things that are above. What things are above? And that's what Paul is saying here. Okay, so there's an interesting narrative in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 7 and 8. If you have time, jump on over there. 1 Samuel chapter 30. So David and his army arrive at Ziklag. And when they arrive, the women, the children, everything has been plundered and taken away by the enemy. These are mighty men, fighting men. And they get to that place and they begin to weep and cry. And some were actually about to turn against David. And David was like, I have no idea what to do. And he did, he did the seeking. The Bible says he inquired of the Lord. Do you inquire of the Lord before you take off running? Before you take off pursuing? Do you inquire of the Lord? You see, even the things that you think are good might actually be the thing that is taking you away from your position of faith. And you just take off because they're good. But you've got to inquire of the Lord on those things that are above. Because it's easy to say, seek righteousness, seek holiness, right? But if you have no mental image, no mental understanding of what those things are, how do you know when you arrived? 
But when you begin to seek the things that are in your heart, as you go in the strength of Christ, as you do the thing that you are called to do, as you do the work that God has placed on your heart, you are righteous and you are holy. Do you understand? So I'm trying to get you to see that in your seeking, in your pursuing of the things that you are desiring in your heart, whether you want to be a beauty queen or you want to be a manager or you, you want to be in IT, you want to be in dance, whatever it is, inquire of the Lord before you run so that you know when the Lord says, which is what, which is what God said to David after he inquired. He said, yes, you should pursue and you will overtake and you will recover everything that you have lost. So what you want is for God to say, yes, I put a check mark on what you were going after. I put a check mark on what you were pursuing. Because when you find it, you will see the glory and the goodness of God. And all glory is going to go unto God of what you have done for him. Seek. If you're not seeking right now. So in other words, you're just sitting there. Marking church attendance. You come on Wednesdays, fantastic. But if there's no seeking, it is easy for you to be given something to seek that is not of God. So you just don't want to mark the attendance. You don't want to be the good Christian. This is the Christian, the saint, who takes the gift and buries it into the ground. And when the master comes back, even that which he had was taken away from him and given to one who could reproduce. So what are you seeking is the question that Paul is saying. Seek the things that are above. And that's what he means by that. The next thing, the second verse, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2 is focus. Focus. This is how I put it. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Set your mind. Focus. Once I begin to seek, I need to focus. See, when you're not focused on the place that you are going, you can easily start to sink, start to go down on something that you can easily overcome. When you lose focus, it takes away your strength and it takes away your focus. Thank you. I didn't think I was going to sweat, but man, there's a party up in here. So, so I got to get into it. So you're going to focus. Because if you lose focus, the thing that you can overcome begins to take you under. Remember Peter? Okay, so you know this narrative, right? So Jesus sends the disciples ahead. And then he comes on the water, and he walks in water, okay? And then the disciples are like, oh, my gosh, check him out. He's walking on water, man. That's rad. That's pretty awesome. Ah. And then Peter's like, you know, I'm an overachiever, so I got to do this. Hey, yo, Jesus. Hey, if it's you, hook your boy up. Hook me up, because I want to do this thing, too. And Jesus is like, ah, I get your ambition, son. I get your ambition. Come on, just step on in and come on over. And Peter's like, oh, I will try this thing out, right? So he's like, hey, that's, that's kind of cool. 
oh, watch that. Okay, okay. And he's like, hey, check me out, man. I'm stepping on the water. I'm stepping on the water. And then he's looking at Jesus. Like, Jesus, can you check me out? Can you check me out? And then he looks away from Jesus. And it says that and he saw that the wind was boisterous. How do you get boisterous wind or loud wind? That's people yelling. You can't do that. Don't do that. Don't go there. You're going to drown. And the very thing that he was walking over, he begins to sink. He was walking on that water, the very water. He begins to sink. Why? He took his focus off of Jesus. When you take your focus off of Jesus, the thing that was supposed to bless you becomes to destroy you. You said, I'm going to set my heart on Jesus. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm be an athlete. That's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be an athlete for Jesus. Come on. Right? You take your focus off Jesus. All that success in what you're doing as an athlete begins to take you out. Because you took your focus. You say, I'm going to be an awesome tennis player. You know, I'm going to be like. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, you're great. Oh, awesome. And you're like, well, check me out. People are looking at me now. I'm the man. And you forget it was Jesus who gave you that ability to be able to do it. And you lose your focus. And the very thing, that very tennis that was supposed to give you success starts taking you out. Starts taking you out. Because you're moving yourself from the focus. That Jesus is the center of it all. And then he continues to write. And the third thing is sacrifice. Colossians 3. Verse uh, 5, and he says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness. Thanks, my wife will correct me later. Which is idolatry. Listen, listen to me, saints, children of God, holy, sanctified, separated, holy callers. Bible reading, the flesh is always going to contend for the things that are not of God. Always. To assume otherwise is folly. You are going to set yourself up for failure. So when it says sacrifice, what you are sacrificing is the desires that are coming from your flesh. Because, man, let's get real. Stuff gets real. Remember my donuts? The only reason that they were a temptation is because why? I wanted them. I don't drink alcohol. I have a problem with alcohol. You can put 15,000 billion bottles of alcohol here. I'm just going to go, hey. no problem. It's not going to tempt me because my flesh has been like, eh, we don't like that. But get some crawfish and some etouffee and oh my gosh, Jesus. And you tell me, okay, we got to go in this direction here, but there's some etouffee over here. Lord, help me. There are things that my flesh will tug on that can easily cause me to fall. So when I say, man, I am not going to go in this direction even though I desire to. I am going here. That is a sacrifice. 
That's the sacrifice that you do. And let me tell you something. If you're not constantly sacrificing, you can easily be swayed away. Constantly sacrificing. You know what Jesus says? Whoever wants to follow me must learn to pick up his own. Follow me. Cross. You think it's nice to carry a cross? You know, you're not rolling up and you say, check out my cross, man. I painted it red. Favorite team color. Looks like the Cowboys. Cross is heavy. Cross is unbearable. Listen, even Jesus didn't carry his own cross. God had to aid him by providing somebody else. Joseph, I think it was. Was it? Or Simon. Simon of Serene. He was able to provide Simon to help carry the cross the rest of the destination. Because the cross is heavy. Your flesh can get heavy. And the thing about it is, is if you feed it, it just gets stronger. So when you allow yourself to be in the places of immorality and you're not sacrificing your, your, your flesh then you stop seeking and you stop focusing. Now listen, to tell you all this, to tell you all this, and stop right here, is also doing you an injustice. Because if I tell you, don't listen to your flesh, guess what's happening an hour from now? Your flesh is going to be like, I want, I want, I want, gimme, 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 gimme. And then you're going to give in on some things and then the enemy does a number on you and all of a sudden you're judging yourself. Oh, I'm terrible. I'm the worst. I cannot be a Christian. Ah, I was a Wednesday night. Pastor Dunrise and Elizabeth Flesh. Here I am again. So that's why the fourth point is important. Depend. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And, and I'm going to just jump to verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Because here's the thing. You ain't going to succeed by yourself. You ain't going to get there. Are you hearing me, saints? You're setting yourself up for failure if you think that you're going to just wish yourself or think yourself through the struggles that come from the flesh. So you've got to depend on the Holy Spirit and he will lead you by peace. He, lead, he leads you by peace by telling you to put on compassion. Put on love. Guys, you realize love is a choice, not a feeling. It ain't all about, man, I be feeling that girl. Woo! Hey! Every time she walks about, I'm like, Jesus, I'm about to fall on my feet. That's a feeling. Because let me tell you something. The feeling might be gone tomorrow. That means without the feeling... What makes me remain in this relationship with whoever I'm in a relationship with is a choice. Do you understand? So what I'm telling you, 
You know that day you worshipped? The presence of the Lord was so real, you could almost touch it. You felt that intimate moment with him. At that moment, you believed. And there was a beautiful thing that happened. That's not every worship session. That's not every worship session. And the thing about it is, if you constantly are looking for that same high that you had when you had that worship experience, you've missed God. So which means, even though I don't feel it, I'm raising up my hand and saying, God, you are the only one for me. And your altar is where I want to be. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear from you because you are the only one. And I worship him because I choose to worship him. Because I laid down my life too and said, Lord, take my life. Right? That's what we all said, right? Whoever comes to him must believe that he is and he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I got to believe that he is. See, here's the thing. I don't need no deconstruction because my mind's made up. I'm done. There's no moving me in one place or another. Yeah, but have you seen what is happening in Ukraine? Surely a good loving God wouldn't let that... I'm not moving. Yeah, but have you seen people were praying for this person and they died. They were not healed. If God is loving, surely you're not moving me. But have you seen all these things that are happening? Surely a good loving God would. I am not moving. I'm done. There's no other thing for me. I'm not moving, even though I don't feel it. And sometimes I might think some of those thoughts and go, oh, God, is this really for real? But whatever it is, I am rooted and grounded and I'm staying because I have sought, I have focused, I have sacrificed. And I depend on him. And I depend on him. So I'm not moving. I ain't going nowhere. I don't need no new philosophies. I don't need somebody to tell me about being woke. Because I am dead in him so if he says i'm dead in him i'm only alive in him so what he allows me to see that's what i want to see and that's the result of it that's the result the result is you get a heart a heart of a rooted life and what is this result look at colossians 4 verse 2 to 5 and this is why he ends up this letter now that he has given you and those four things we talked about in chapter 3. And now he's, I was telling you, and he's saying, you need to pray for us. When you do these things, you will find yourself. Did I write that? How do you have that? That's awesome. He has my notes. That's kind of cool. Okay. When you do these things, you'll find yourself continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the world to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Make the best use of the time. Seven things that are a result of a heart that is rooted. The heart of a rooted life. Number one, you are going to pray. 
Did you see that? Because I seek, because I'm focused, because I sacrifice, because I depend, I'm going to pray. If you have to have somebody say, he need to pray, he need to pray, in order for you to pray, well, which one is it that you're missing out on here? You're not seeking or you're not focused or you're not sacrificing. What is it? Because when you're doing these things, you will pray. And that's how you pray without ceasing. So that you don't have somebody having to cajole you. Come on, let's pray. You'll be like, man, I've got to pray. Number two, being vigilant. You're going to be watchful, awakeful, not wokeful, right? But watchful, awakeful. You're vigilant. In other words, you see the things that could cause pitfalls in your life. Okay? You're watching internally. You're watching externally. So in my heart, when I begin to feel a sense of depression coming and hitting on my heart, that tells me this is not of God. Does God want me depressed? Oh, one person in church. Does God want me depressed? Okay, so if God doesn't want me depressed and I begin to feel a sense of depression, if I am being watchful, hey, Pastor Jackson, I need to talk to you. I ain't feeling right. Sums up. I need you to pray with me. That's vigilant. That's vigilant. That's internal. You're watching what's happening internally. Externally. Okay, you know what? It's easy to say, don't watch the news. Don't watch. You are going to watch the news. It's easy to say, don't watch TV. TV. You are going to watch TV. Don't watch movies. Come on, you're going to watch movies. You watch and you see things externally that start causing you to think different. Hey, Pastor Jackson, and I was watching this movie and this is what they were introducing. Man, it kind of got me confused. And then you have your brother who begins to sharpen the sword with you. But that is because you are being vigilant and you are grateful. You're thankful. Man. If it hadn't been but for the Lord, I have no idea where my life would be. Everything looks like it would have shattered. I would not be in a good place. So anytime I stop and think about the goodness of the Lord, I have a sense of gratefulness, of thankfulness to him because of what he's done for me in my life. Every promotion, every position, every possession has come because of him. So I'm eternally grateful to him. Are you thankful? Are you thankful or you continually see the things you don't have and fail to see the things that you do have? Listen, the person sitting next to you, my gosh, they're one of a kind. Did you know that? The person sitting next to you, there is no other person like the person sitting next to you. There are seven billion people in this world, but the person sitting next to you, there's no replica of them. They are an expression of God that you will never see anywhere else but in them. If you could take their hands sometime and say, hey, would you pray with me? Would you give me something of what you have? Because I know you're a blessing for me. Because there's a reason why I'm sitting next to you. There's a reason why I've come into the same circle as you. Because you've got something. That I can never get anywhere else. But what do you do? You're going to hate on your brother. You're going to hate on your brother. You're going to hate on your sister. You're going to be jealous. You're going to fight. You're going to bicker. And when you do that, you close off the gift that could have come to you. 
and blessed your life. So be grateful that, hey, it is with this crowd that you get to do this Christian thing. Because there's nobody else like the person sitting next to you. So I'm grateful for every opportunity that I get. I'm grateful for every blessing that has come my way. I'm grateful for every person that I've had the privilege to meet. Because in them, I find a blessing. Number 22. Number 22. Pray. Praying and supporting ministry. Praying and supporting ministry. Listen. Guys. Who's led somebody to Christ today? Who's led somebody to Christ this week? Who's led somebody to Christ this month? Okay, some hands going up. There's somebody who's doing ministry that you can partner with who's actually leading people to Christ that God would give to you as a benefit and a seed. Who's able to serve every day of their life? Who's able to come to every Seth Saturday, go to every mission trip, support everything that is happening in the kingdom of God? Who's able to do that, right? We're not because we're limited as people, right? Amen, I got you. You can do it in the power of the Lord, right? Come on, amen. Yeah, in God, all things are possible. I got you. What I'm trying to say is you do it by supporting other people that are doing ministry. Because there are things that you are supposed to be doing that you are unable to do because of whatever place you are in life, which is why you support people that are doing ministry. Oh, but you know, they take my money and they're going to start doing all what they, that they're going to do. And, uh, <laughs> I ain't trusting that, you know, because you know, these people, you know, they do stuff. <laughs> because cause I myself am not a person. Don't I fall? Don't I have things that I'm struggling with? Even better, don't I have things that I know I'm doing wrong, that I'm willfully doing wrong? But it's easy for me to look at Pastor Jackson's ministry and go, oh, you know, they just buy all this kind of stuff instead of buying these other stuff, which is what I wanted to buy. But they end up doing that, so I ain't never going to support that. <laughs> what does that lend you? Put your treasure where no moth, no rust can ever get to it. And how you put that treasure is supporting ministry and you know what when you're being seeking and you're focusing and you're sacrificing and you're depending this will happen this will happen man for me when it's coming time for time for tithes and offering i'm like oh it's tithes and offering that's awesome i'm like man I'm about to take my 10 percent <sighs> <sighs> you know how these churches do it <clears throat> In the previous church, I gave 10% too. They ended up doing some shady stuff, so I don't know. I'm like, no, God, I'm giving this to you. What they do with it is their business. That's their judgment upon them. But I'm excited to give. I'm excited to support ministry. I'm excited to support what God is doing. I'm excited to 
support somebody else doing something in the kingdom, which is why I love about our new song answers. It's because there are people in different parts of the world that are going in Ukraine, showing people love of Jesus. I cannot, but I'm partnered with that. I partnered with that. And it's not something I'm like, oh, we got to partner with these people. I'm like, yay, we get to partner with these people. Why? Because I'm seeking. I'm focused. I'm sacrificing. And I depend on him. Number five or 29. Be wise. Be wise. Be wise. Because the days in which you live are evil. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That means whatever is pulling you in your mind, I don't want to mess up what God is doing in my life. Is this going to mess that up? If it is, I stay away from it. That's wisdom. What I'm about to pick up, what I'm about to do, is it in conflict to this God who I fear, not fear as in her, but fear as in I humbly place myself before him and exalt him. If I'm in that place, does this exalt him? If it doesn't, I'm staying away from it. That's wisdom. I'm not going towards a place that takes me away from the place that I am in. Number six, redeeming the time, which other version will say, make the most of every opportunity. You have an opportunity right here, right now. You have an opportunity. Do you use it? Do you not see it? Jesus says, lift up your head for the harvest is plentiful. Man, do you know what I love? I can serve Saturday. And I'm not advocating for serve Saturday. Actually, I am. But when we're at serve Saturday, and we went to this lady's house and we put our furniture together, put stuff in where it's supposed to belong and everything. And after we did that, we had the privilege of seeing the video that was taken. She had no idea what, was, what her apartment was going to look like. She comes back and her apartment is full of this furniture. Do you know what she said on her lips? She said, praise Jesus. She said, praise God. She has no idea what my name is. She doesn't know what I look like. But she knows Jesus. In that moment, was I not the hands and the feet? I had an opportunity to serve. I saw it and I took it. Redeem the time. Listen, guys, just yesterday, yesterday, just yesterday, I was 19 years old. I was receiving the Lord. I, I know it's difficult to comprehend this. Just yesterday, I was 19, receiving the Lord, and I had my life ahead of me. And today, I'm 43. 
Don't get to 43 and wonder what happened to the time. Don't get to the point at which you die and wonder what happened to the time. Because let me tell you this, it's going to creep up on you. We are already in March. Now, I can appreciate that you might not fully comprehend this. Because when I was in school and I was growing up, man, you guys have summer, right? You have summer, you got three months in which you don't go to school, right? That's how it works here. Okay, back home, we had Three months of school, a month no school. Three months no school, a month no school. Three months no school. Just, that's how it works. So you have one month of break. I lived my life looking forward for the break. Like, I got to go to school. Oh, man, when is that break coming? Just like you can go to school and go, oh, man, when is the summer going to come? When is the summer going to come so I don't have to wake up in the morning? That's what I did. But in the midst of that, I was in an opportunity where I could learn and increase my mind, my knowledge, my understanding. But because I didn't see it for what it was, all I was clamoring for was rest. All I was clamoring for was play. All I was coming for was just time to do nothing. And the time is being lost. Make the most of every opportunity. Because again, some of us in here, we're just waiting for the time when I can play my video game, get on my phone, watch a movie, go to a show, do all that. And yet in this moment, you have an opportunity to learn, to grow, and to better yourself and position yourself for success and ahead. And opportunities are galore right in front of you. And let me tell you something. The older you get, the less those opportunities. Don't wake up one day and go, oh my gosh, I'm 40 years old. What happened? Because you look at a 40-year-old and you go, man, that dude is old. Right? You look at me like, dude, he was old. I looked at a 40-year-old once and thought that. And thought, man, by the time I get there, but here I am. What was it that I did with the time? From when I saw a 40-year-old to when I became one. Redeem the time. Make the most of every opportunity. If I can have uh, the worship team come. The last, seven is, the last point is speaking. Begin to speak. When you seek, when you're focused, and you're sacrificing, and you depend you cannot help but speak. You cannot help but begin to speak that which is an overflow in what is in your heart. You cannot help it. You have power with the words that come out of your mouth. With that power, you can either cut somebody or you can build them up. If you're filling yourself up with judgment, with hate, with jealousy, with all those things that Paul talked about in chapter 3 of Colossians, if you fill yourself up with that, out of your mouth is what will come out. That very thing. But if you've dressed yourself 
with love, with compassion, if you allow yourself to be broken before Him, if you allow yourself to realize that I need your fullness, Jehovah, that when I begin to open my mouth, I understand that life and death is in the power of the tongue. May my words be able to lift up and build and not to tear down. May I speak truth that causes people to find freedom and liberty in you. Where I do not have the words that I can give that are righteous, that are good, May my mouth be sealed. We're living in a time where it is imperative for the word of God to shine. And we who hold it, who are partakers of this glory, if we are not careful, we will tear down instead of building. One of the fruit of the Spirit is is gentleness. And Pastor Josh, our Pastor Josh, explained it in such a beautiful way that I'd never heard it before, but it revolutionized my understanding. And he said, the older child, the one that has the strength, when they're dealing with the younger one, it is to the older one that you say, gentle. Because the older child has the capacity to hurt the younger one. So when you're saying gentle, you're actually talking to the one that has power. You don't say gentle to somebody who's powerless. You say it to the one that has power. So when I'm saying gentle to you, it is because you have power. You have the power. God has the power and he is gentle with you. Because if he then said, I will give you what you deserve, we are not making it into heaven. But he's gentle. He is gentle. I am asking you that when you see people that have no idea who Jesus is and they acting woke, gentle. Gentle. They're acting crazy. Gentle. Because when you jump in and you begin to say, oh yeah, that, that's just nasty. It's wrong. You'll die in hell. And you're not being gentle. You push away. Gentle. Be gentle. Be gentle one with another. Because both of you have power. To build how you're going to use the strength and this power. Everybody can stand up. Over.